Today, the Below Average Joe's MMA Show present the Weekend Recap. And everything about today involves UFC Vegas 69, headlined by a new title challenger emerging in the women's flyweight division. Aaron Blanchfield takes out Jessica Andrade in the second round. And surprisingly, Dom, despite the overall lackluster feeling of the card going in and and, and if you depending on what parts of the card you watched it's sort of living up to those expectations we have a decent amount of fights to talk about here we'll talk about uh the recap of dominic's below average bet slip for the week all this <laughs> and more and it all starts right now welcome back everybody thank you for joining us episode two 68. I'm one half of your hosting duo. My name is Baker, coming to you from the great state of Indiana. My right, that's my host Dominic Slee, coming to you from the great state of Ohio. Although, although Dom, you know, I always say the great states of Indiana and Ohio, but right now it doesn't feel like a great time to live in these states. Uh, scary times out there, as you know, train derailments and chemicals in the water and chemicals in the air and. I mean, I ain't drink tap water in like a week, Dom. I'm freaking <laughs> here. I drink so much water, it's hard for me to keep it in my house, bottled and stocked and shelved. And I, I always go to refilling with the tap water, and now I'm a little nervous to even do that. I feel like I'm, I feel like my head's gonna explode or something. So madness all around. But yeah, we're still here to give you guys that good, good on actually Saturday night. This is fresh off the presses for us. Mm. We, you know, we typically record these episodes uh, Sunday afternoon-ish. But Dominic and the boys over at Battling for Bogey are about to endure an 18-hole adventure tomorrow, which no doubt I'm sure will uh, make its way to the YouTube channel at some point. So uh, no no big deal to move it to now. And honestly, I kind of prefer it, Dom. So how are you feeling? Literally less than an hour removed from UFC Vegas 69. How are you feeling? I'm feeling great, man. I'll tell you, there's something about, you know, maybe this is the new gig when we have the four o'clock, seven o'clock start times. You might have to get fresh into the studio. It just depends, mm -hmm. but I'm feeling good. What was a lackluster fight card going in, I think delivered quite a few takeaways for us to talk about today. And that's always exciting when you get those diamond and rough cars. There's always got to be something, and we're going to find that today. And of course, like you said, looking forward to going out with the boys, the battling for bogey crew tomorrow. It's going to be a blast. But first, we talk the fights. We talk UFC Vegas 69, Noah. Let's ride. Yeah, I, I love it. I love it. So, uh, Dominic, without further ado, we are going to hop straight into the main event of UFC oh. Vegas 69. Oh. That's right. Look at that headline. Future champion. I'm the one that wrote that. I called my shot a little bit, Babe Ruth style. I pointed to the center field bleachers. As much as I'm Jessica Andrade, she is my favorite hitter. And she has been basically since we went to UFC 203 in Cleveland all those years ago when Dominic was talking <laughs> up her opponent in that fight <laughs> and Andrade yeah. smash. But Dominic... I said I thought Aaron Blanchfield was ready for this moment. I said it after she beat Molly McCann. I've been believing she was ready for higher competition than she was getting all the way back, 
you know, before the Aldrich fight, you know, I, I felt like she had really proven that she was just far, farther along than what you would expect from someone of her age and relative inexperience in professional MMA. And I think this fight proved that, Dom, because she gets the second round submission a minute, 37 seconds in over Jessica Andrade. And the fight did not really go as expected, I guess. Um, I think there was quite a bit of surprises here. The biggest one, of course, being round one was fought entirely on the feet. Mm -hmm. Dominic, Aaron Blanchfield won the round. She won the round. It was very competitive. Don't get me wrong. Jessica Andrade landing some big old shots. Credit to Blanchfield's chin. Able to eat a few of those. But she was tagging Andrade left and right. Shout out to Andrade, of course, for taking this fight on short notice. You know, this really wasn't... Yes, I'm sure in her eyes, she looked at taking this fight as an opportunity to maybe put herself back in a position to fight the winner of Grasso Shevchenko. But... I think for most people, we sort of looked at this as like kind of a, not a risky fight for her, but a fight that maybe she didn't need to take. But she kind of saved this card with Taylor Santos falling out. So I want to give her credit for that. With that being said, though, Dominic, Aaron Blanchfield is here. If, if she hadn't already arrived, she has arrived now. Hmm. She is not only a contender, she's not only a player in this division, but Dominic, she is a future champion of this women's flyweight division. Are you with me? I think I am. what I tell you? I, on uh, on Friday's preview, I said, I'm with you. I'm glad that you went out and said it, but I had to wait and see what happened tonight. Well, I waited. I saw, and now I'm on you, Noah. I'm on the future champion train. Listen, man, 23 years old, and you're going to go out there not just outstrike Jessica Andrade, not just take some of Andrade's hardest punches, but then you're going to finish Jessica Andrade? Come on. That's three three big things to have in your arsenal at that young of an age. I mean, wow. What more can you, you even say about Aaron Blanchfield? The rise that she's had, 11-1, and 5-0 now in the UFC, and I think the only loss she ever had in Invicta was against Tracy Cortez, which by no means is a bad loss. So, I mean, the future is here. We've talked about all of the great young ladies coming up in this division. Aaron Blanchfield took the bull by the horns and catapulted herself over all of the other ones right now. And she's there. And Noah, not only is she there, she made sure to let everyone else know she's there in that post-fight interview. She said, give me the winner of Valentina and Grasso. That happens in two weeks. I mean, no better moment. No better way to capitalize on your big moment in your first main event than by doing that. And I know that you probably agree. Oh, completely agree. And truthfully, when I was watching this fight, <clears throat> as impressed as I was with Blanchfield's stand-up and her ability to compete on the feet and even win that round doing so, I still looked at that this fight was far from over, obviously. You know, oh, it's, yeah. uh, it's one thing to take a round, that's super impressive. Nobody expected that. But then it was like, what if this continues? What if she's unable to get these takedowns in round two, mm. round three, round four? If this fight continues on the feet, she's going to have to continue to eat some of these shots from Andrade and try to continue to keep her movement. Andrade was doing a good job of landing good leg kicks, and that likely would have slowed down Blanchfield as the fight went on. But round two, Dominic, 
She finds her opportunity. The opening lands a beautiful takedown. And Dominic, I think it was like less than 15 seconds after landing the takedown. She had the choke on. Didn't even have uh, both hooks in on the ground and choked her out. I mean, it was an, it was as impressive as you get. We made note of Andrade. I think a lot of people figured Blanchfield would have an advantage here, of course. But Andrade has been very underrated in just her ability to not get put in those compromising positions on the ground throughout her career. She's constantly been the bully, pressing forward, bringing the action to her opponent. She's rarely been the nail uh, in the proverbial hammer to the nail type scenario. And the only people who've been able to really do that, Valentina being the only one at flyweight, you know, you, you look at like Joanna outstruck her for five rounds back when she mm. was at straw weight. And like I said, I think Tisha Torres might've taken her down at one point, but um, Valentina of course was the standard for taking her down, dominating her in route to a finish. Nobody else had been able to do that, Dom. And now Aaron Blanchfield has done it. It was impressive. It was thorough. And she called for the winner of Grasso, Shevchenko, and I have no pause on giving her that shot. There is one wrench in this, though, Dom. We have to acknowledge, though, that there is one thing that stands in the way of Blanchfield getting that shot. And that is the fact that Alexa Grasso could very well win that fight next month. Mm -hmm. If she were to win, you have to think they're going to allow Valentina to run it back immediately. You know my thoughts on immediate rematches, but if someone were to deserve that, the resume of Shevchenko, her reign being as long as it's been, yeah, (laughs) I mean, that sort (laughs) of might be one of those that I'd be like, okay, I get it. So I don't, I'm not, I think Blanchfield will, her next fight will be for the title. I believe that. But there is a question on when that will happen. Yeah. Because if Shevchenko wins and she does it impressively next month, I think a lot of people might expect that. No doubt, maybe late summer, early fall, something like that, Mm. you would see those two as the next fight. But I guess... How do you do you kind of agree with that sort of the direction we're going here? Blanchfield's next in line, but if Grasso were to upset Valentina, they sort of have that back. Is that and, and if they were, do you think Blanchfield waits or do you do her and Santos again? I think the only way that Blanchfield doesn't fight for a title in her very next fight is if Grasso wins in two weeks. I think that Valentina, assuming she would want to stay at 125 and try to reclaim her throne, which I would imagine she would. They would run that back, and then I think we would get Santos Blanchfield. I think we really would. Um, it's not that I even need to see it. I just think that's what would happen. But again, if Grasso wins at UFC 285, and I, I do believe she can, um, it, it, a lot of people, and of course even the odds are going to say Valentina should win, and I have no reason to believe otherwise. But I just we haven't seen Valentina fight since the Taylor Santos fight. And that was the most vulnerable we've ever seen her look outside of obviously like an Amanda Nunes matchup, which doesn't relate anything to what 125 has been for her. So I don't think it's impossible, guys. I think it could be a much more fun fight than people are expecting. But Noah, as much as I agree with you on the future champion talk, there's also a caveat to me wanting to be like, is it safe? 
for me to say it, even if Valentina still is Aaron Blanchfield going to be that one to dethrone Valentina to mm. become that future champion. That's where I'm so much with you. And then I want to like, uh, I want to like yeah. pause a little bit. That's yeah, where I'm I struggling right now in my head after an hour after the event ends. I guess the way I kind of look at it, Dom is I, I completely agree that, as impressive of a win as that is <clears throat> over someone like Andrade, who's been a champion at Strawweight, has competed for multiple titles, fought in three weight classes, knockouts in three weight classes. Yeah. Truth of the matter is, you look at what Valentina did to Andrade. I know MMA math doesn't work like that, but just bear with me that it's pretty clear that as big of a jump as Blanchfield just went from fighting like Molly McCann and J.J. Aldrich to Andrade passes mm -hmm. that test. No doubt, it's another big jump to Valentina. I mean, Valentina has separated herself from the pack so much. And yes, Taylor Santos, I thought she won that fight. That was originally who Blanchfield was going to fight here. So it's all kind of murky on, mm -hmm. you know, like you said, we haven't seen Valentina since then. Is she going to come back and look like, you know, the best version of herself, or is she going to maybe, maybe we start to notice a, some, some, a little dip. Maybe, right. maybe she's already hit her peak. I don't know, but I feel typically when you have these dominant champions, if you look through history of the UFC, most dominant champions don't just ride off into the sunset unless yeah. you're GSP or Habib. Yeah. Most of them lose when you don't expect them to Anderson Silva, Against Chris Weidman. I'm sorry, Dom. I didn't mean to hurt okay. you like that. Ronda Rousey. Yeah. With Holly Sumlado when he fought Conor McGregor. You know, these these guys that had the uh, Kamara Usman just happened with Leon Edwards. Some people probably with Izzy and Alex Pajera. Yeah. A lot of times it's people who you don't expect. Yeah. And maybe that's troublesome for how confident I seem to be in Blanchfield because she probably. If that fight, if Valentina beats uh, Grasso, mm -hmm. I would imagine even though she'd be a heavy favorite against Blanchfield, I, I, I may be overconfident in the saying this, but I think the betting odds it would be the closest probably Valentina's been with an opponent in the last three four years. I think I would agree with that. I, I could be wrong on Drudge. I I don't think was a like a huge underdog yeah. against her, so I, I it could be wrong, but. Maybe because of that, like people, some people may buy into her when that, if that time comes and in doing so, then it would be a little expected. And then mm. she might get just smashed. Mm. But in my opinion, Dom, I have hardly ever, if ever been able to pick someone on their way up and been like, oh, this is the person to dethrone the longstanding champion. I didn't see it with Leon. Didn't really see it with Pajera. Of course, I wasn't watching when like Rousey and Connor did it and Chris Weidman. Yeah. That's why I see it in her, and I'm riding with her all the way. If that fight happens, I'm going to bet on her. Yeah, I believe that she can be the one. And I think a lot of people thought she was like a one-trick pony a little bit, like so talented in her grappling and her submission capabilities. But it just didn't have much on the feet. Yeah. I think this answered that a little bit. Again, it's not going to be an easy fight against Valentina. 
but someone's eventually going to come in here. If Valentina wants to keep fighting in this weight class, eventually someone is going to dethrone her. It is going to happen. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, man. I was just looking to just to make sure because she's 23. She turns 24 uh, in May. So I was just trying to see if she had any bit of room to make John's run for the record. Unfortunately not, but still probably well, could become – you know, one of the youngest. Let, let me say she would, uh, she's on pace right now to potentially become the youngest women's champion in mm. UFC history. I saw a tweet right before we got on here. Rose Namajunas was 25 when she won okay. uh, her first strawweight title. So, okay. you know, that could very well be in play for her. Let me ask you one question or make a statement and get your thoughts on it. Not only was this a big victory for Aaron Blanchfield, of course, but I actually think this was a victory for the women's flyweight division because okay. I think the biggest misconception that UFC fans, that MMA fans have is that the women's flyweight division is still weak. <laughs> yeah. And I'm here to tell you guys, it's not. You look now at this top group. They've, they've arrived, a lot of these people who we had been kind of saying – Yep. Yeah, they have potential. Well, now a lot of them are here. They are. Taylor Santos, Aaron Blanchfield, Alexa Grasso, Manon Fior. Yep. Guys, I and Jessica Andrade, of course, is still in that mix. I understand Valentina should be and will be a big favorite over all of them. But one of these ladies, at least, yeah. is going to be a future champion. Yeah. They are that good. Yeah. We just have to be ready for that. Like, I'm not saying they'll necessarily beat Valentina easier said than done yeah but one of these ladies at least will be a future champion no yeah and i think that speaks to the quality of the division at this point you still have more on the way up there's still some falling behind that maybe have you know taken more time off uh who was it that you said uh aaron blanchfield's lone losses uh to tracy cortez tracy cortez yep king casey comes back next month yep casey o'neill has a ton of potential is yep. Tatiana Suarez coming back to 125? That's what I'm hearing. That's <laughs> so, next week, Noah. That's next so week. Dominic, I mean, obviously, you know, they have to kind of prove it, but this division is really on it. I think it's already sort of competing with strawweight in my eyes for the premier division in women's MMA. And I don't think a lot of people give it that due. Yeah, 100%. I feel like we've been ahead of the curve on this weight mm. class though, like since the beginning of our podcast, essentially, because yeah. that's when a lot of these uh, women were starting to come into the UFC. And now they all are right here, man. And I'm ready for like, you know, Casey to come back from injury to see how she'll look. Macy Barber's still there. Tracy Cortez, Amanda Hebos is still kind of going yep. up and down. You don't know where she's going to Miranda do. Maverick, Miranda Maverick on the outside looking in. I mean, you're so, it's so right. This, this division is very healthy and built for a very long future with a lot of great talent. That's what separates this women's division from the strawweight, I believe, the biggest. And then women's bantamweight is just still kind of a mess, and we'll talk about it again a little bit later in the show. I'll tell you, it's neck and neck. The I think the biggest thing with strawweight compared to flyweight, you have more longstanding veterans. I think mm -hmm. that's the biggest separator. Yeah. And while, while there's definitely still an argument for strawweight to be better than flyweight, but you could very easily say that flyweight's the best women's division in the UFC right now. Easily. It's, it's very similar to the difference between men's lightweight and bantamweight. Yes. You know, lightweight yeah. has the star power. 
but yeah. you could argue Bantamweight from top to bottom is yes. the better division at this point. I think that's similar to yep. women's strawweight versus flyweight. 100%. Yeah. So I'm just so excited to see what's next. Obviously, I can't wait for Valentina to fight Alexa Grasso. I am not sleeping on that fight. Unlike I've done in previous uh, Valentina title defenses, I, I fully believe Alexa Grasso is a credible challenger. She may not quite have the, uh, in my eyes, I don't really give her quite the chance. I might give, of course, Aaron Blanchfield or Taylor Santos if she were to fight again, or maybe even Manon Fior. Yeah. But she was the right girl at the right time. You mm. know, circumstances worked out for her. Mm. Timing. What does Dana always say? Timing is everything. Yep. And this could very well be her time to shine. And what a shakeup that could be because that just throws everything out of whack. I mean, like we just talked about. All of a sudden, now Blanchfield and Santos might have to fight, and then who knows where the division goes from there. So, uh, yeah, it's very exciting though. It's it's a good problem to have. Yeah, I was gonna say a little more, but I'm gonna hold off because in two weeks we get the title fight. We'll dig into it more mm -hmm. then. Okay, well said. Let's get into the rest of UFC Vegas 69. Some highs and some lows. We'll start with the low. Here. Oh yeah, I saw you put this on here, and I well, giggled a little. Let's just say. <laughs> For the record, this card, we always something we've said time and time again on this podcast. We will give we will give the grief to the cards that are less than good yeah. on paper. You know, we'll we'll trash them a little bit. We'll be like, come on, UFC, do better. Mm -hmm. But then we'll also go, but guys, these are the type of cards that can surprise you in terms of being entertaining. You know, there yeah. can be a lot of fun fights. And yeah, for the prelims, I felt like we were really on our way to that oh, type yeah. of show. Oh, yeah. Um, and then the main card, of course, started with Hernandez and Jim Miller, and we'll get into that. And then uh, <laughs> we the had a bit of a skid. <laughs> the next three fights happened. Uh, one of them we're about to talk about. And the main event, I think, kind of brought it you know, back a yeah. little bit. But yeah. um, if there is someone who was a loser of the night, it's not Jessica Andrade. It's not Jordan Wright. It's not, you know, Jim. It's none of these. It's not even William Knight. Um, the loser of the night is whoever orders these cards, whoever puts the, the bout orders together. Yeah. Because I'm going to, I, I may, people might get tired of me, you know, really yelling at the clouds with this one, but how many times are we going to put like these, un, these like unranked heavyweights on like the co main or feature yeah. bout of like a main card? Like I just, yeah. Nobody looked at, Josh Parisian and Jamal Pogues and said, that's like going to break the house down. Like yeah. nobody, nobody saw that as being like, that is a, that is a curtain jerker yeah. beginning of the card. No doubt. Like Jamal Pogues got a win. He's a contender series guy. Like we'll see where his career goes. Josh Parisian's kind of like two and three middling around, but yeah, you know, you could say that they're UFC quality heavyweights or whatever, maybe, but they should be the ones a little lower guys. Like, I think I would argue guys like Clayton Carpenter should have been higher on yeah. this card. And some of it's a little bit like some of it's a bit hindsight's 2020 right. because right. Procneo William Knight, which is the fight we're going to talk about on paper, I think looked like it could have been an exciting fight, a fight that wouldn't last very long. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't what we got because what ended up happening, Dom is uh, William Knight just, uh, he just didn't, didn't. fight didn't fight yeah it was weird um can you explain this one to me because i'll be honest like 
I was kind of doing stuff during the beginning of the first round. So I wasn't like paying close attention for like half of the first round. Yeah. Or maybe it might even been the whole first round because it seemed like when I started watching William Knight's like knee or leg was already like compromised. Yeah. Did that happen like immediately? Is that really the cause for his inactivity to whole fight? Or was he <clears throat> inactive anyways, even before that started to take its toll? So the commentary kind of had the same discussion in the third round and they kind of put it perfectly. William was never really in it, like never really doing anything, but it started as just like kind of smaller leg kicks, you know, nothing that's going to, you're going to really like get your eye caught with. And then they got harder and harder as the fight went on, as William began to wear the damage a little bit more. But yeah, the first round was still very much could have been a William Knight making an explosion for a, a big shot or making a takedown. He just, I don't know. I William Knight's had a very interesting UFC career, to be honest, but never a performance where he literally hasn't done it. Like, he didn't do anything, man. Like, I don't know if he landed 10 total strikes in the 15-minute fight, let alone even was, throw 10. I don't know yeah, if he even I, threw I, 10. I thought they said he landed like eight. Yeah. It was weird, weird. Yeah this this is a this is a this is a bad one. This is a all this is a I don't I don't want to say it's an all time bad fight, but it's I mean it's up there. It's bad, bad. Yeah. yeah. If you are having trouble sleeping, toss out your Ambien, toss out your Nyquil. Yeah. Turn on Procneo William Knight, and you know it's a shame because for the most part, I feel like Marcine Procneo might somehow catch yeah. some flack as well like some ricochets here yeah and i do kind of think at some point i'm like why is he not pressing a little bit more because right like, william knight right. was mostly being stationary but then you would see like an explosion yeah and that dude is fucking yoked how did he get more dude. jacked for this fight than the last one it's um, unreal it's not good though when the ufc's official twitter is blasting you uh, did you see the tweet, Dom? The, with the pictures the, the sponge, of the, kids. the well, the SpongeBob. Uh, oh no, <laughs> no! The UFC's official Twitter page posted. Uh, it was like in the beginning of the third round. Like uh, the fight wasn't even over yet, and they posted yeah. a a SpongeBob like video of the episode where there's like this shadowy figure in the distance, and Patrick's on his walkie-talkie, and he's like, he's just standing there menacingly, and. Um, the UFC's right. official Twitter account posted it, Dom. I, that's the second time wow. I've seen something like that. First time, just last month, when the Cowboys lost to the Buccaneers and the Cowboys' official Twitter went after Dak Prescott. Yeah, yeah. William Knight just got Dak Prescotted here. <laughs> that's a new phrase. He got Dak Prescotted. That's not good. Yeah. That is not good. I don't care who, what intern or what admin controls. I understand it's not Dana tweeting directly from the UFC account. When the UFC's official Twitter is like, yo, what you doing, blood? You ain't doing shit. Yeah. Like that I think that's it for him here. I mean, just I, yeah, honest. I saw people saying that. And it's unfortunately it is from a, of course of a career professional standpoint, it's awful. But yeah, I think it may just be the end of the UFC tenure for William Knight. It was a weird career too. Like, I don't know if he ever had a normal fight. No. There'd be one where there's a crazy knockout, one where there's nothing really like grappling heavy for three rounds, like with Alonzo Minifield. No one thought that would happen, and it yeah. did. And then there's tonight as well. It, 
Marcin Prochnow did what he had to do to win. He had a good game plan. But yeah, I think at some point, maybe just press a little for like I think he could have got a finish potentially if he really, really pressured forward. And did you hear Paul Felder? He oh, was like at a loss yeah. for words. He yeah, barely that, talked the whole fight. I think he said something along the lines of like, this is the single least yeah. like active performance I've ever seen. Like, you could like literally hear his frustration sitting. Yeah. Crazy. And, and I, and I try to, and I try to not be that way because I understand we come from a place of two guys who've never done it. Right. You know, we're, we're fans, we're watching, but it, yeah. I try not to, you know, get too on that because of course there's, there's, there is a, you know, there, there needs to be a level of respect, you know, yes. towards these guys. But I was just at a loss. I really was. I just didn't understand. Um, I saw a lot of people, even like credible journalists that that covered a sport, that were basically saying things like he literally, like saying he didn't want to fight and he had yeah. no interest in fighting. And I'm like, wow, like, yeah, 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 not a good night uh, for him. Um, exactly. That's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. But uh, let's get on to the fight of the night, dude. This might be fight of the year so far. You know, it it is. But there's no shot that it would win fight of the year because the stakes. Yeah. yeah I think stakes hurts. matter a little bit. You know? They do. They do. I, I mean, I'm sorry. I, I agree, though, that it, it might. But, like, I would still probably put Makachev Volkanovsky above it. Oh, shit. Yeah, that did just happen last week, didn't it? <laughs> I would still put Rodriguez Emmett over it, you know? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Makachev like, okay, Volkanovsky. Do I think it's, year, a, but... it's an early contender for our um, Just Bleed? Uh, isn't that yeah. what we call it? Yeah, something like that, that for that award. Definitely like a contender, like a real player for that award, like a fight that's just blood and guts fun. Yeah. Alexander Hernandez gets the unanimous decision win over Jim Miller, an unexpected result for sure. I, you know, my question, I don't you I want to give these guys a lot of credit because it was a great fight, but I can't help myself with this one, Dom, because my takeaway was still somewhat negative on behalf of Alexander Hernandez. I think there were areas where he showed a lot of improvement. One being he went the full 15. He didn't mm. gas out. He at actually, in some ways he kind of got better as the fight went on. Mm. So I think that shows some growth, a little bit of a boost to the IQ uh, fight IQ. That is, but Jim Miller was, completely unable to get this fight to the ground. And I know Jim Miller against some of these guys he's fought recently has knocked out. Uh, was it Nicholas Moda and, mm -hmm. you know, has maybe been competitive on the feet and looked pretty good on the feet. But if you told me this fight was going to be 15 minutes standing, I felt like Alexander Hernandez should have ran through him. If I'm yeah. just being honest, I mean, Jim Miller not known for a standup. Alexander Hernandez has all these athletic advantages and he is much younger. And yeah. It's just, I mean, Jim Miller, I kind of, at the end of it, I did have a bet on Jim Miller. So I'm a little biased, but I kind of thought maybe Jim Miller might get that decision. There yeah. Two 30, 27 scorecards. I mean, you could argue that, but I, I don't think that really tells the story of how close no. this fight was. Um, you can have a 30, 27 and it's close. I'm just saying, I don't think that quite is an accurate representation of the fight. Mm -hmm. What were your takeaways? Because uh, I know I'm kind of being negative about what was overall a great fight, but do you kind of feel that too? Or are you more, I guess, positive siding with Alexander Hernandez moving forward? 
No, I think you make a good point that I didn't really think about. I think that's what's <laughs> cool about the show, and we can present these different viewpoints that we weren't thinking about personally. And you're right. I, now that I look at it, back at it, uh, on the feet for 15 minutes, Hernandez should not only run through Miller, but probably should finish Miller on the feet even. I know mm -hmm. Jim Miller is as tough as they come, and the toughness that he showed in there tonight, 39 years old, 40 second in or uh ufc fight or some crazy shit like that fifth most oct octagon time the dude's setting all kinds of records it's insane yeah that, that's a very good point to make and and he also said at the end he wants to go back to 145 i don't know man i don't know you had all those health problems too and you want your dick to work and stuff yeah so. i don't know I just, i'm <laughs> like let's not call it health problems i mean my man's dick yeah wasn't working that's yeah. that's crazy. I mean, maybe that's happened to other guys in the past, but to, to admit that, it's like, what? That doesn't feel safe at all. Yeah, I mean, and you look at the guy, he's shredded. I mean, he is built yeah. like a tank. I, I think he belongs at 155, man, regardless of if this was short notice or not. So, I mean, definitely, I think, positive in terms of his gas tank. Uh, doing this on short notice and being able to go 15 was an improvement for me. Mm -hmm. The fight IQ, like you said. And I think he even kind of noted that, like, he was kind of, I think, pleasantly surprised at how well he was able to not just get too wild and crazy and stay composed even in the dangerous mm -hmm. moments. So, yeah, I think I'm kind of like in the middle. I see where you're at, a couple positives as well. And, of course, there's literally nothing negative to say for Jim Miller, as really there never is, to be honest. So, And let me turn it around and be a little positive for Hernandez because he's a guy that's been finished, I think, four or five times in the second round of his career. Yeah. Uh, he does yeah. have like three or four first round finishes. So he's been a bit of a killer be killed type fighter. And you kind of wonder when you take those kind of knockouts, how your chin holds up. Yeah. I mean, I think one thing I will say, and this kind of discredits my feeling of maybe Jim Miller potentially winning the fight. Both guys were landing. It seemed pretty clear. Hernandez was never really quite as hurt as Jim Miller was. I felt like there was yeah. points where Jim Miller was definitely hurting. Alexander yeah. Hernandez got landed on a lot, even more, I would argue, potentially more times than he landed on Jim. But it never really felt like he was hurt. That's bad, um, yeah. He got sure. landed on clean for sure, and that's what worries me. Again, now I'm going to turn it back <laughs> to <laughs> yeah. the negative, where moving forward, if he goes up against a guy more well-known for their striking, I mean, we've seen him fight those kind of guys not too long ago. I mean, Billy Q put him out and yeah. Drew Dover put him out a couple years ago. And if he goes up against a guy like that, you know, I just didn't see it with the striking defense here. Maybe yeah. he didn't expect it from Jim Miller. I do think there's some positive takeaways. I'm rooting for him to, you know, kind of make a second, uh, uh, sort of a second chapter of his career. Mm. You know, he seems a lot more humbled and respectful now yeah, after the Donald sure. Cerrone stuff. That's sort of, you know, I don't have any sort of ill will against them. I never did. I, I understand it's all for, you know, shits right. and gigs anyways. So rooting for him. And Jim Miller, you got to get that man on UFC 300 when that time comes. Oh, absolutely. Next fight, women's bantamweight, Dom. So this is the one I wanted to ask you about. Myra Bueno Silva does submit Lena Landsberg, four minutes, 46 seconds of round number two. I believe that's four straight losses for mm. Lena Landsberg. Mm. And, um, this was a tough one for her because she was getting beat for the, the whole fight. But then, and you know, you kind of expect that. Myra Buena Silva, ranked 14th, is very good. Yeah. 
Uh, Lena Landsberg had never been submitted in her career, by the way. So this is the first yeah. time that that's happened. Uh, what I didn't like about what I saw here was Lena Landsberg had her back taken. And I was like, oh boy, this is over in round two. Then she gets out of it, yeah. gets up, and then re-engages on the ground and gets caught in a knee yeah. bar. And yeah, I mean, it's a it's a low that's a low fight IQ move. It just yeah. it is. I mean, you 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 know you're gonna have a better chance of keeping it on the feet with Bueno Silva, right? So now I want to ask you this question about Myra Bueno Silva because you uh, were tweeting for us tonight on the Below Average Joe's Twitter account. And you said in a division like women's bantamweight, something along the lines of, you know, she is a promising player mm -hmm. in this division that feels sort of devoid yeah. of a ton of potential. Yeah. My question for you is what, how high is her ceiling in your opinion? I mean, it's still, maybe there's a lot unknown. Uh, we know how awesome she is. If she can get the fight to the ground, her submissions, I think she has six first round submissions. Yeah. And, I mean, through her career, that's really good. So we know how dangerous she is there, but when it comes to decisions, she's only two, two, and one. She's sort mm -hmm. of been an iffy fighter when it gets, you know, further along. What's her ceiling? I see it's hard because this was like her first <laughs> real test in terms of like a ranked opponent. She's won three straight, but it was Stephanie Egger. And then uh, what was the one before that? It was Yanun Wu. So this was the first like real big test. Obviously, mm -hmm. Lena Landsberg's been in there with a lot of great ladies been around the sport for a long time. She's going to get in close to top 10 come Tuesday, around number 12 or number 11. I'm looking at the top 15. Um, I think she competes well with a lot of these all the way up to like number five. And then it gets a little interesting with like someone like Irene Aldana. But between five and 12, where she's going to be, I think she matches up fine with a lot of these women. I mean, Misha Tate, Carol Rosa, Pandy Kianza, Yana Santos, formerly Yana Kunitskaya, for mm -hmm. those that got confused when I said that. She called out Raquel Pennington, kind of went at Raquel Pennington because Rocky's on a five-fight win streak, and yeah. Paul Felder was in a fucking whirlwind during that post-fight interview. It was kind of funny. But she was calling out Raquel. <laughs> Why is she getting um, you know, a title fight? Why does she want a title fight? Blah, blah, blah. Rocky deserves it after this resurgence, guys. You know, I'm not upset if she gets it. But um, I, I think her, if she were to somehow get matched up with Rocky next, which she's not, I think that's a winnable fight for her. I, I really mm. like this freshness. I think she's she's the most fresh, biggest thing going damn near in this mm. women's bantamweight division in terms of activity, um, the personality. She's finished eight out of her ten wins. She's going to be in fun fights, win or lose. I like what we've got here with Myra Bueno Silva. I think she should get someone like... You know, Amisha Tate or a Macy Chasson next, someone like that to really solidify, put her in that top 10, see how she does. And then from there, can really even stamp my point further should she win. But I like what we've got here with someone in her prime, trains an American top team, great friends, and trains all the time with Kayla Harrison. So, like, she's around great talent year round. I think we may have something here. So I you do. think the ceiling could be a contender? I mean, that's what I you're do. saying. I really do. It's not, you're not calling a shot. You're not saying right. she is. That's the ceiling, though. Yeah. I really like her personality. I think she's uh, so weird and funny. And mm -hmm. her post-fight interviews are always like yeah. very yeah. funny to listen to. Um, I don't know if I'm as high on her as you. And it's because of just how one-dimensional she seems to be right now. Mm -hmm. 
no doubt she's got time and mm-hmm. we just after what i just talked about with the main event who mm-hmm. really knows i mean yeah. but it does seem like if she can't get a fight to the ground if she is not able to submit her opponent or control her opponent for the majority of the 15 minutes that she doesn't necessarily have the other weapons yet right to keep a fight competitive like if she were to fight someone who's got good takedown defense and great striking i'm thinking like holly holm Mm-hmm. you know right. i don't think that goes well for her yeah yeah obviously she has time to get to that level i'm not you know trying to say they should put her there now but it's closer than maybe a lot of us think i mean she's mm-hmm. likely going to be fighting someone ahead in her next fight and wins that and then she is in that echelon yeah. of, of fighters you know the irene aldana's and holly right. holmes so i'm I believe she can be a very relevant top 10 uh, type fighter. I don't really ever see her fighting in like a title eliminator. I don't ever see her really fighting for a title. Mm-hmm. And I know you didn't say this, but like that also rules out really her being Contender. a champion. But yeah, right. I, yeah. I fully welcome it though, because we do need that, that fresh blood. In <sighs> oh, this we division. do. We do. I mean, this division is the dinosaur division. I mean, so many of the fighters in here, it's the same crop that's been here for years. And we're talking about giving Raquel Pennington another title fight, and she is the most deserving. Yeah. And I'm kind of like, yeah, I mean, I guess. But it didn't go well for her five years ago. She's five years older. I don't think it's going to go well for her again when she would be going up against the same champion, more than likely. Right. Amanda Nunes. My point, though, being I, I root for her to get to that level, but I pause on actually believing that, that in the hype a little bit or believing that's her ceiling. Oh, completely fair. Completely fair. Yeah. But she got the job done, and that's the first time Lena Landsberg's been submitted. I don't care if she lost three straight. Those were all by decision. Yeah. That says something. That, like, no yep. matter who she gets on the ground, capable of finishing them. For sure. For sure. Next fight. Just a couple quick ones here at the end. Jamal Emmer's got a unanimous decision win over Hussein Ashkabov. And this is just an example, Dom, of, uh, you know, this is firm example of when you see a guy that's 23 and 0, sometimes you got to look. <laughs> sometimes, uh-huh. you know, we, we have said, I think one of our favorite things to say on this podcast, especially early on, was undefeated <laughs> for a reason. Yep, yep. I think we're learning over time that some of these people will pop up and they'll be undefeated. And you look at the line, you're like, okay, Jamal Emmers has had kind of an iffy run so far. And you see how close the betting odds are, and you're like, that's bait. That's what I did. You know that meme where it's like, that's bait. That's what I looked at. When I saw that Askabov was a minus 135, I was like, no doubt this is – so I went and looked at his resume. I mean, Dom. It filled with Chuck Norris uh, pictures on uh, yeah. on uh, <laughs> mm. I don't remember I don't know if that's Tapology or which one you know what I'm talking about yes yeah <laughs> I remember that was such a shock for us when we first started really digging through there we're like why is everybody have Chuck <laughs> Norris as their picture yeah um, but a ton of them some people didn't even have pages on there yeah uh, a lot of O and ones and yeah NAs and I mean, it, it, it was El Can Crusher is kind of what I, I would label it as. Now, it, it was, I mean, it wasn't like, 
like I could see him getting another fight in the UFC because I thought yeah, Jamal Emmers yeah. looked pretty good here. He did. He did. And Hussein never got finished. He mm. was somewhat competitive at points. I felt like where the bigger uh, red flag was for me with his performance was when Jamal Emmers got a takedown, he was able to advance position very quickly. Yeah. And this is a guy in Hussein who is supposed to be really good on the ground, really good yeah. submissions. Yeah. That worries me a bit. But I don't necessarily think it's as as uh, dire of a situation as it was with that other guy who had been inflating his record. Oh, yeah. With yeah. all these fake fights and stuff. I don't think it's quite to that level. But it is like – I and I, oh, another thing, funny, I text this in a group. Another reason why I knew to bet on Jamal Emmers <laughs> was because – this man, Hussein, had 4 million Instagram followers. Dom, that would make him the ninth yeah. biggest following in the UFC. I saw that and I was like, don't ask me why, but I was like, that's another reason. Something's not adding stuff. up. Yeah, yeah, something's not right here. Um, but good performance for Jamal Emmers. I like Jamal Emmers. I'd like to see what's next for him. I, I, I hate that he had to take so much time off due to that really mm-hmm. bad knee injury he suffered. So hopefully he can make up for lost time. Yes, for sure. And you saw how much it meant to him, too, when he won that yeah. fight in the interview. It was awesome. And the last one, this is one kind of for me. Uh, Felipe Lins knocks out OSP. 49 seconds of round number one. Dom, you know that I really like Hovind St. Preux, so yep. I'm a bit sad uh, because I think this is the end of the road for OSP. And I think back, Dom, to the first time we covered an OSP fight on this show is back our very early days doing the podcast probably it was well before we had video and, yep. and all this and i it was it was definitely a joke but i remember going like you know i'm on board with the osp get him to a title run train yep it was a joke but it's a bit like my thing with arlovsky where you know you just i can't help but root for for these type of guys and yep I just I hate what I what I've seen from his last couple outings. Um, part of me feel wonders if he's almost just collecting a check, like mm. it just it feels like the fire's not there yeah. anymore, and yeah. just makes me sad because I I think he's a guy that's gonna unfortunately sort of get lost to the history books over time, and mm. I think he was uh, better than that at his best. So yeah, yeah, that, that was beautifully said. As a matter of fact. Yeah. Hey, fought for an interim title against John Jones. So maybe he will, maybe he will live on because of that. There you go. Uh, but that is it for UFC Vegas 69. Dominic, the below average bet slip. Are you ready to discuss? Yeah, I'm I'm getting about <laughs> sick of having to discuss it either because I, I can't catch a break. 2023 is the year where Noah returns in two weeks and then I get suspended is what it's looking like right now because it's it's just been a disaster. It wasn't terrible today. It's just unfortunate. We'll go over it real quick. Two and three on the day, minus 0.37. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I, th- I so, actually thought it was going to be worse just yeah. units-wise, but yeah, that's – uh. Honestly, Dom, I mean, that's that's essentially like breaking even in my eyes. Yeah, you know, I mean, we're staying alive by the skin of our teeth until Noah <laughs> gets back, and that's all I can really do. We hit um, a three-way money line parlay. It actually just now got updated. I was waiting on it to get updated all day. Carpenter, Fletcher, and Meyer Bueno Silva, that one all hit there. And we hit on Ovent, St. Pru, Felipe, Lins uh, inside the distance there for a unit. 
We lost out on the inside, the distance, you know, the violence parlays. Again, Noah, back-to-back weeks we go 0 for 2. I keep saying we as a team sport, but it's me. I'm going – I went 0 for 2 again on the violence parlays. This time, Jim Miller and Alexander Hernandez go the distance. Andrade Blanchfield do not. We go 1 for 2. And the other one, Fletcher, Grimbo, inside the distance hits. William Knight and Procneo. Oh, boy. And then I did fall for the bait, Noah. I fell for the bait. I went a half unit sprinkle on Hussein by finish. It was plus 225. The dude had been on a tear. I had to take a sprinkle. Jabal Mm -hmm. Amber's on a layoff. Not the greatest in the UFC. And I got taught my lesson. Thank goodness I only put a half unit on it, though. So we're treading water. We're staying alive. The year to date's not too bad. I don't have the specific number in my head, but you'll see it on the screen. One more week next week with Krylov Span Fight Night. Noah will then return for UFC 285. If I can have a big week next week and build that momentum for your return, I think we could be on to something. That's going to be my plan for next week. Yeah, I like it. I I know, so I kind of jumped the gun a little bit. I'll I'll admit it. I really was planning to not bet MMA at all until I came back to the bet slip. But I had retired from betting most sports uh recently i don't know if you heard them but yeah, uh yeah. it's not been a great start to the year for me so hockey all forms of basketball <laughs> retired yeah until march until march <laughs> but um because of that it's been killing me all week to not be betting on anything and, it, and we you just needed Friday. your fix and I was like, you know, I'm not going to put it on the bet slip because I stand by Dominic. Yeah. He ordered me that I, I need to <laughs> yeah. indulge myself into some pain before I can be brought back in. I respect that decision. We're going to stand by that decision. But I went ahead and did my own plays just for myself and for my yeah. Twitter. Uh, I don't know if this will make you – I know it doesn't affect your personal pockets. So I don't know how much it will – make you happy or sad or oh, maybe I'll be it just happy. Shows a, it'll show a little bit of promise maybe i did go yep. four units uh, just over four units positive today it's fantastic. i do believe two of those though were from the boxing fight so maybe that wouldn't count but two Still. units a little over two units positive i mean hopefully it's a start of something, something exactly good. Exactly. Because when I come back, I'm not coming back doing the same old tricks, Dom. We got Excel sheets. We're we're doing algorithms now. We're breaking yeah. shit down. So yeah, yeah. Um, just hold tight. That's all I gotta say. I got you. I got you. Yeah. But Dominic, there's only one way we end the show around here. It's with a little segment we like to call closing statements. Point of the show where me and Dominic talk about anything and everything, MMA related or not. So Dominic, you got any closing statements to send people off into the week? Um. I don't think I have anything, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. I've been doing so good lately, too, but tonight I think I'm drawing a blank. It must just be the evening recording. Okay. I guess I will say a little something then. I'll just give a little shout-out to the boxing fight I watched earlier. I thought it was a mm-hmm. great fight between Lee Wood and Mauricio Lara on the zone. I shed out the $25 for the monthly subscription. Uh, rest in peace. Uh, that sucks, mm-hmm. but... Uh, funny enough, though, Dom, they did have an ad during the broadcast. Am I missing something, or have the did the PFL move the Challenger Series to the zone? That is something that I do not know the answer to, my friend. Because but maybe they had an ad as if you could watch the Challenger Series, the Challenger Series, or the Europe uh, European season, 
They even showed the 2023 season. Are we missing something? The 2023 season's on ESPN, right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I Yeah, yeah, it's okay. for sure on ESPN, yes. Well, I guess there's a chance I may be starting to watch Challenger Series again because... Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> because it's it, if it's on DAZN, I'll, I'll watch it. Uh, I can't promise that it will be talked about on the show. I don't know if I want to force Dom into sitting through that, but... Yeah. Um, if it is available and if the European season's available, I'll definitely watch it. And any sort of relevant updates will be, of course, shared on the episode. So I believe Wood Mauricio Laura was an awesome fight. I had a bet for that fight to be won in round seven through 12 at plus 220. Knockout came in round seven. Dominic, it was a beautiful knockout. It was pretty. Uh, Lee Wood was a big underdog. He was dominating, not dominating, but he was winning the majority of the rounds against Laura, who's a just dangerous puncher um, in that division. And that was the risk because Lee Wood has been knocked down before um, his last fight where he won the title. He had a big comeback, or maybe that was a title defense. I'm still new to boxing, guys. So, <laughs> you know, don't, don't, don't take me as some sort of uh, expert, but. Um, Laura, from what I understand, big, heavy puncher, and he landed just a beautiful left hand. Lee Wood was out. He got up, and then his corner actually threw the towel in. There was under 10 seconds left in that round when they did that. So I do – there's been some debate on if that was the right choice because he would have likely survived till the final bell, and then you can go assess him in the corner and decide if you want to send him back out there um, but I can't, I'm never going to fault a corner man for, no, out for their you have to respect it, man. Um, you know, if, if that's a, and I, I feel weird when, you know, you see certain fighters that will get very upset at the idea of a towel being thrown in and it's a tough position for us to be in. Cause again, we come from the outsider's perspective of never mm-hmm. done it. So we want to give credit to the individuals who put the fighter safety first, but then when the fighters don't seem to want that, uh, you know, it's kind of an awkward spot to be in when you're almost advocating against what the fighters want. I don't love to do that, but you know, I can't blame them anyways for making that choice, but it was a great fight. So if anybody has the zone, I would recommend checking it out. If you did not, I'm sure it'll be on there. But uh, yeah, Dominic, uh, also in the boxing world, I'll just mention, big fight announcement Oh, I today. saw you tweet about this. Tank Davis, Ryan Garcia. I'm very excited, but I am not believing it until both men step foot in the ring. Yeah. Tank Davis still has ongoing uh, legal issues. Dominic, he, uh, kind of like John Jones, had an, a hit and run incident okay. that he is, has an ongoing trial for. Uh, I believe the most recent update to that trial was that he, his team had tried to push for a guilty plea, mm-hmm. uh, I believe. And the judge declined him hmm. of doing so uh, because they were kind of just trying to want, try to just get through it a little bit. Uh, okay. And the judge declined. I, I'm not a legal expert either. So I apologize if I'm getting my verbiage wrong, but because that, it sounds like he will have to stand trial. So, that could be a very interesting wrench in this in this fight and could just be a wrench even if the fight happens and what's Tank's state going to be going in. That's uh, yeah. Because I would favor him to win right now, but that's without, you know, the outside noise could be right. a lot 
So right. All right. That's, that's it. Uh, we're out, and we will see you guys on.